It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Jeff, we are just getting started on the questions and the comments from the viewers here on YouTube. Uh, Really enjoy hearing from everybody. Austin's checking in and says that our assessment of Will Benson made it seem like uh, he's a lot like Joey Gallo type of player. Good defense, lots of power, lots of walks, and a good amount of strikeouts. Thoughts? Uh, That's probably a fair comparison is my thought. Very good, Um, yeah. I mean, That's a pretty apt description of Will Benson. You know, lots of good defense, lots of power. Uh, we've heard from the Locked On Guardians guys and just looking at his numbers that he's done a really good job of uh, working walks when he mm-hmm. gets even into O2 counts. So, you know, that seems to hold true. Lots of walks. But, you know, when you're trying to hit that much for that much power, you're going to strike out a little bit. So he has a good amount of strikeouts as well. Yeah, I think that, I mean, Joe Gallo is an apt comparison. I just keep thinking of Adam Dunn because he's one of my favorite players. But Joey Gallo and Adam Dunn were very similar type hitters as well although gallo much better defensively i never thought that adam dunn was a good defender at all so that's going to be something that i'm excited to see will benson for because he's got the range and he's got the arm to still play center field especially in great american ballpark that you don't necessarily have to have that much range to be a good center fielder at but he could still do it in other fields as well David Pemberton. Dave, how you doing? Good to hear from you. He checks in and says, what would our ideal viewing experience be for watching Reds games on television after MLB takes over from Bally Sports slash Diamond? Uh, as you guys, are, I'm sure, have all heard by now, and we've talked about this, the regional sports networks are filing for bankruptcy. They missed their interest payment. The, the filing is coming. Uh, and just now is a matter of figuring out what happens next. Uh, Dave says they have to make these games easier to access to grow the fan base. So listen, I live out in Hawaii. You guys all know that. And for me, Major League Baseball blacks out every Major League Baseball team from Seattle all the way down to San Diego. All of those games are blacked out. So every time the Reds are on a West Coast road trip, I have to get very creative. What I want to see Major League Baseball do is finally utilize this situation to get rid of the darn blackouts. Uh, they seem to be moving in the right direction. If you are a subscriber to MLB TV, they've made some announcements that they're going to make minor league baseball more accessible through the MLB.tv app, and you can watch those games on TV. I think that Manfred has talked enough about the blackouts now that when whatever happens happens, eliminating those blackouts is going to be part of the deal. Yeah, I and I think, too, one of the things that he was talking about the other day, Rob Manfred, he was like, you know, I envision the ability for a fan to go on the MLB.tv app and watch whatever game they want to watch, whether it's in market, out of market, whatever. So I'm like, he's he's planning on this. He's planning on getting rid of blackouts. I think the most ideal situation to answer Dave's question is exactly that, because we're in a world where cable isn't really that much of a thing anymore. People are cutting the cord. And I've told you, and I've told anybody that wants to hear it, like as soon as Major League Baseball does this, I'm done with cable. Like I don't need it anymore because I have it so I can simply watch Bally Sports and watch Reds games. But I think that that is the ideal situation when we're because the MLB.tv app can be on any streaming device, can be on your phone, can be on you know your computer, whatever it is. So you don't have to have a certain setup to watch a game then it's just right now if you live in that area you're blacked out and it doesn't make any sense to really pay for it unless you live in cincinnati and you're a mariners fan or something so it's it it really helps out the people who are not necessarily fans of their local team but it absolutely alienates the local fans right now and i think that when they fix that it's going to be so much easier to grow the game because it's going to be so much easier to watch the game Absolutely. Listen, there's there's several regions throughout the country. It's not just Hawaii that run into these problems. Iowa is another state that mm-hmm. has a ridiculous amount of blackouts. And, you know, if Major League Baseball is serious about, you know, trying to create a youth movement, this is where it starts. You know, kids have to be able to have access to the game, especially in areas where there is no Major League Baseball. They have to be able to watch it. So I really hope that we are just, you know, a very short period of time away from this finally getting fixed. 
Yeah. Uh, listen, Pat checks in, Jeff. Pat is in with a hot take, and I want to talk about this. He says he listened to Wednesday's pod about Jose Barrero and that he has a feeling Jose Barrero will be on another team's roster on opening day. Uh, you want to take this one first, or you want me to go first? That's intriguing to me. The only way I see that happening is through waivers. I don't think it'd be a trade, but he's a guy that, I mean, I still think other teams would look at him and say, we still don't know what we don't know about him. Like if the Reds decide to move on from him, they would probably, you know, wave him. Although I think he's got options. So I think that that's the other part of this is that they wouldn't just outright cut him. So they'd have to trade him. So probably not going to happen this year, but yeah, it's, that's interesting. Yeah, there's a 0% chance. I am we almost never say that. There's a 0% chance that Jose Barrera will be in Louisville he's for another team. He'll be in Louisville. He has an option remaining. Uh if for some reason someone beats him out. And listen, we're talking about then that Kevin Newman has had to play way over his head Newman. and make it to where they don't want to play Jose Barrero. Ellie De La Cruz has had to come into spring training and put on some kind of offensive onslaught that has just forced the Reds to start him at shortstop on opening day. A lot of things have to happen for Jose Barrero to not have a job on this team on opening day. Now, I'm not saying at some point in time in this season, he wouldn't get sent down to make room for these other guys coming up if he right. can't perform. But for opening day, no. He's either going to be the opening day shortstop in Cincinnati or he's going to be the opening day shortstop in Louisville. But he's not going to be playing for another team. Now, you could have been that hot take, Pat, to say that he'll be on another team next opening day. And that could be a thing because he only has one more. This is his last option year. So when they use that option this year, bam, doesn't have it next year. So if he doesn't make the team next year, then he he'd have to be you know passed through waivers and then at that point i would find it interesting because i think that you know there would still be some sort of intrigue even next year on jose barrera to see if you could turn him around seth Pryor checks in says great move by the reds to limit stevenson at catcher in 2023 but then he goes on to say tyler stevenson needs to be the full-time catcher in 2024 uh seth I disagree, my friend. I think that this is the right direction. And once they make this move, there's no turning back. I think a a split of time between catcher, first base, DH is how Tyler Stevenson needs to be treated for however long he's playing for Cincinnati. Uh, that bat is just so valuable. And, and Road Roller checks in and says the same thing. Uh, Stevenson is most valuable at the plate, not behind the plate. Uh, I got in, Jeff, I don't know if you saw, but I got into it with all kinds of people on Twitter yesterday because, you know, I, I sent out a tweet responding to what David Bell did uh, in announcing his plan for Tyler Stevenson. And I said, I thought Tyler Stevenson could hit 40 home runs. And actually, because Twitter limits my characters, I actually said Tyler Stevenson will hit 40 home runs. Uh, You know, let me clarify 40 home runs, I think is the ceiling. I think in a perfect world where everything goes right, he could flirt with 40. I did put a Twitter poll up though, Jeff, because everybody, I got a lot of pushback on this about just how many home runs that Tyler Stevenson could hit. And so I did a poll uh, with about five, almost 500, 450 votes. uh, Guessing the range of where Tyler Stevenson goes for home runs. Is it going to be less than 20, 20 to 30, 30 to 40, 40 to 50, 63% of the 450 people that voted say Tyler Stevenson is good for 20 to 30 home runs. Uh, another 15% say 30 to 40, only 2% say above 40 and 20% of you people think he's not even going to hit 20. And I have a problem with that take. But Steve, okay. First off, before I get into my, my feelings on the, on the home run range, which I will give you in a moment, you work with me. Don't you know that optimism does not fly in Reds country? Oh, I found out real fast. It don't fly, I man. A, like I took a beat like down it. yesterday on Twitter. People do not like it. I don't. I don't know why. But um, no, I, I look at Tyler Stevenson's home run. I think it's somewhere between twenty six and thirty five. It's a wide range, and a lot of that has to do with health and and how much does he play. But I think he has the ability to hit between thirty and forty home runs. 40 golly if it's 40 he better be getting mvp votes at that right, point that's because, that's that's the yeah. ceiling yeah yeah, yeah yeah and yeah. where and where i settled and, and i got it and i and i had a, a back and forth with carlos Guevara, 
Mm. And, and, and I love Carlos and, you know, a lot of times he ends up being right. And what I was trying to get across was 40 is the ceiling. If you set an over under on Tyler Stevenson in 2023 at 30, I would take the over. Mm -hmm. No, I agree there. And, and he, the way that he hits the ball, he hits line drives. He doesn't sell out for home runs, but it's just, he's got so much power in that swing that when he makes solid contact, he can hit home runs. So he's not, He's not trying to sell out for the power. You're still going to see that nice high average. You're still going to see a good OPS because all of that's going to come together in a nice little, you know, Tyler Stevenson package. But that home run, that that home run total could definitely be pretty impressive at the end of the year, depending on, you know, how healthy he is throughout the year. Because this could be a, another scenario, too, where maybe he gets an injury, but it's well enough that he can play in games, but it does limit his ability. So there's still, you know, I'm still, I think this is where everyone's trepidation with any optimistic take regarding Tyler Stevenson comes from is that they're like, we don't know if he's going to stay healthy and they don't buy into the fact that all of his injuries last year were fluky. Let's stay on that thought and let's stay with Tyler Stevenson for a minute. Seth comes back at us with, we have so many great infield prospects and so many players that can play first base. Stevenson needs to be catching 120 games in 2024. Now, 120 games. That's what Tyler told us. Looked us both in the eye. We, we had him here on the show. He said 120 he games yeah. with no fatigue. He wants to catch 120 games. So let me ask you this. And Seth, you know, I, I, I hear you and, and this is what Tyler said. So, I, I mean, I really can't fault what you're saying here, Seth, but let me ask you this, Jeff, the 120 number, that's what Tyler said. He felt he could catch and it not have negative impacts on his offensive performance. If you recall, that's the question I asked him. The question was how many games can you catch and not be exhausted by the end of the year and have it not impact what you do in the lineup? He said 120. So this plan that David Bell has rolled out, does that mean that they are trying to further reduce his games at catcher to protect him from injury? Or has the team made a determination that that 120 number is too big and that really they need to keep him around 65, 70 games behind the plate in order to avoid him being fatigued? See, the thought in my mind with this is that I think it's 50-50. I think 50% of this is if a 50% chance is they are turning him into a first baseman. The other 50%, the other side of this coin that I'm looking at is are they ramping him back up to be that 120-game catcher? And, and maybe if it's not 120, maybe if it's 100 games or something like that, are the, do they feel like, okay, maybe his injuries were fluky, but... They all had the common theme of him being behind the plate. Let's move him from out from behind the plate. Let's see if that takes away that, you know, at least mitigates it enough where he doesn't get those bad injuries. And if that's the case, then we can work him back in to being behind the plate. Cause that was a huge conversation last year amongst beat writers, amongst broadcasters, amongst everyone around the reds, including us. We were in part of this, that we wanted him to become a first baseman. Because we saw yes. the injuries, we saw the reason for this, and it was because he was catching. And there's so many people, there's so many other people that are just like, well, the best version of the Reds is with Tyler Stevenson behind the plate. And as of right now, there's nobody else that's pushing him there. There's, you know, Matt Nelson's not not really pushing the issue. Daniel Veoheen, uh, Logan Tanner, uh, and, and Cade Hunter, none of those guys are close enough to the point. Nowhere near ready. That you're like, yes, we do have our next plan at catcher. So it's kind of hard to say, yes, they need to be doing this right away. So I think part of this is they're going to see how those guys play out. They're going to see the injury process of Tyler Stevenson, and then they're going to make a determination as to the best course of the future for him and for the team, whether it's first base or catcher. See, because they're even going above what I initially said that I would like to see. Uh, yeah. If you remember, you know, I wanted it basically to be like a 30% catching, you know, 33% catching, 33% first base, 33% DH, you know, and then you get that last 1% 
an extra spot somewhere, but I wanted it to be pretty evenly divided. You know, they've 40, gone 40, as high 40, now 40, as to say yeah. is 40. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, for me, I, I, I like this and, and they could do this the rest of the way, as far as I'm concerned, because, uh, you know, I don't think that the best version of the Reds is Tyler behind the plate. You know, I disagree with you, what you said there. The best version of the Reds is Tyler at the plate, 150 games. Yeah. And I think this is the best way to accomplish that. Limit my, the number of innings behind the plate. My only, the only thing that I'm thinking about that is there's got to be somebody like, like there's the person behind the plate has to be performing. Like if Kirk Casale and Luke Maley come out here and are the 2023 versions of Michael Papierski and Mark Colesvari and all this other stuff, we've got a problem. And that's where David Bell, if, if there are no injuries, David Bell may still have to reevaluate this plan. However, I do have a lot more hope in, um, in Kirk Casale and Luke Maley being better than those guys. It was, it was kind of funny because I was listening to a baseball America podcast the other day, and they were talking about reds catching prospects and things like that. And they did a thing and obviously they're not like reds fans per se. They're just baseball fans. They did a thing. They're just like seven catchers played for the Cincinnati Reds, not named Tyler Stevenson last year. Can you name all seven? And can you? Can you name all seven? No, well, Papirski, Colesbury, Robinson, uh, uh, Romine. Not named Stevenson, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Oki. Yep. That's it. I can do five of the seven. There's one other guy, and he he started the year with the team, and then whenever Tyler Stevenson initially went down, he played pretty well, but then he himself got hurt, and that's Armas Garcia. He broke wow. camp with the team as the backup. That's but right. Yeah, see, that's the thing. It's like there's that many guys. The Reds can't do that again. They cannot do a thing if Tyler Stevenson is healthy. They definitely can't do a thing where if Kirk Casale and Luke Maley struggle, that they're just like, well, this is the plan. We're just going to keep rolling. Hey, Jeff, Caleb Ledford checks in and agrees with you. So I'm going to put this up here because it doesn't happen very often. Somebody (laughs) agree with you. (laughs) Moose was the very definition of sunk cost, just like Homer Bailey was at the end. Caleb says, I completely agree that it was addition by subtraction. Yeah, I think that's pretty good take, Jeff. Um, I I think that the moment where I was sold on the idea of Matt Kemping Moose was when I watched him bend over to try and pick up a ground ball. And it looked like me getting up off the couch and bending over to try and pick up the chip that I just dropped. I'm like, no, no, no. We need the video from your uh, gym of you falling off the growing machine. I think Keep describing Moose these is still more athletic like should, than that. I will say that. <laughs> Listen, uh, Kirk Casale is getting some love in the chat. Jared on vinyl says that he was so excited to have Kurt back. Really solid player here. all the way around. Danny says he was very disappointed when Kurt left. Glad to have him back. I thought this was a great signing. I mean, you know, I know we flirted with the idea of it being Tucker Barnhart, but I think things worked out exactly the way that they needed to work out and bringing in Kurt Casale and Luke Maley. Uh, combining to be the other 60% of the catching core. I think things worked out the way that the Reds needed them to. And from all reports, Kurt was kind of bummed whenever he left, like he he's happy to be back. So I'm, I'm very intrigued at that because I think David Bell and, and Nick crawl, and they all had this plan in place when they went out to get, they, they already knew they're like, these are the games that Tyler Stevenson is going to catch. And these are the games that he's not going to catch. We need to find people to fill these in. And when they said, we're going to do it with one guy or two guys, they thought, yeah, two's probably better. If we're expecting Tucker Barnhart to be this healthy for this many games and still pay him as much as they were probably going to, I mean, they were probably going to have to pay him twice as much as they paid Kirk Casale. So, uh, and and for multiple years, because he got a multi-year deal with the Cubs, Kirk Casale and Luke Mailer are on one-year deals. So that I like, I like what the Reds did as opposed to bringing back Tucker Barnhart. I lost my audio, Jeff. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I'm fixing it right now. There, I got it back. There All right. Um, throw your uh, throw your graphic back up for uh, OPS Plus. John Park uh, made a comment that three of the top four on the list were traded. So that's true. Uh, Brandon Drury, 
Kyle Farmer and Tommy Pham are all gone. And the reason I, I wanted you to do that, and I wanted to, to put that back up there for just a second, Jeff, is when you trade away three of your top four in any category, anywhere that you're looking, you think that that was a huge hit, but really only Brandon Drury was above league average mm -hmm. above replacement level. So when you say three of the top four were traded away, that's really not a big hit other than, you know, I'll say, okay, I'll concede that, you know, you trading away the best hitter on the team at the time, which was Brandon Drury. That's a hit, but the rest of these guys were all underperforming when they were traded. Right. And, and I think too, the important thing with this is that we are going to look back. This is not a hot take. This is an easy take. We're going to look back at this year and that list is going to be longer. There's going to be more than six players on it and it's going to look better. We're going to have better hitters. We're going to see better performances from India, from Stevenson. We're going to see Spencer steer up there. We might see Ellie de la Cruz up there when he gets up there. Cause Ellie de la Cruz is going to mash. I firmly believe that. And we might have a couple of surprises up there as well. Like I think Jake Fraley actually had a nice OPS plus he just didn't qualify for, you know, and, should have looked up what the number of plate appearances were, but he just didn't have that many plate appearances to qualify for this list. Right. And we know it was more than 50. Uh, maybe it was games because, you know, I we know. know Tyler Stevenson's not on this list and he was in 50 games. And I know that because that's where we said all of our locked on MVP voting was at 50 so that Tyler could be in the conversation. So, um, Danny says he doesn't understand how SOB, that's son of Bob, Phil Castellini, gets to be in front of a mic. I'm going to tell you how, because daddy said so. Listen, Phil Castellini is the son of the guy that owns the team. So if he wants to talk, who's going to tell him no besides Bob? And I really think at this point, you know, Bob Castellini is in his 80s, folks. He is checked out. Phil is running the day-to-day -day operations of the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, Phil can do whatever he wants unless he screws up in such a way that Major League Baseball steps in and forces some kind of sale. And uh, if you heard Rob Manfred's comments and Jeff played them on the show, uh, they weren't, they didn't rise to the level of, of being in that neighborhood. So, you know, hopefully Phil figures it out. Cause listen, at the end of the day, the Castellinis are going to own this team for a long time. I really don't see them selling this team. There's nothing else that they can do to make as much money as they're making in major league baseball. They simply it's physically impossible it is not able to be done. They can't sell enough cabbage to make as much money as they're making from Major League Baseball. So I really hope that Phil figures it out and is able to eventually be uh, the owner of this team and, and not be in the way of its success. I really hope he finds a way to do that. And that's the one thing, and it's it's not sexy. It's not going to get anybody's attention when, me, when I say it because we've said it a couple of times this offseason, but I think the one thing that he has done that it seems to be at least it's not as if he came out and said, it, it's not as if Nick crawl came out and said it, but it sure seems like Phil has given Nick crawl a budget and is backed off. And, and that is the best that he could do. I get it. We want them to spend more. We want them to have a bigger payroll. That is not something that we are, you know, arguing here. What we're saying is as much as he might open his mouth and it might be, you know, really frustrate us to the point that a lot of folks are just like, I'm done. I'm done with the Reds. Like, I think behind closed doors, when it comes to running this team, he has taken a step back and he's not meddling, which is not something that we could say in the past decade. Like ever since they've been here, there has always been an influence from the ownership office. And it sure seems like over the last year, year and a half, maybe even two years that that's gone away. Yeah, I, th I think that's a fair point. I mean, famously, uh, Dick Williams had actually arranged a trade of Billy Hamilton that the Reds were going to get something in return for Billy yep. Hamilton and Bob Castellini nicks that deal. Um, so I, I, I think you're spot on with that. At least Phil is letting the baseball people do the baseball things and just setting the budget. So yeah. um, Greg checks in and says, happy Aloha Friday. Uh, he loves the idea of us explaining some of the more detailed statistics. One stat that a lot of guys talk about is war would love to see us explain war. I think war is going to be on the list oh, yeah. and you guys 
and you guys know that every time we talk Hall of Fame, I talk war because that's the stat that I use uh, when we're talking about should a guy be a Hall of Famer? Is Joey Votto a Hall of Famer? Is you know is Joey Votto better than Tony Perez? Is all of those things? I use that war statistic because I think uh, it really does a good job defining those kind of things. So Jeff, I think that's probably on our list coming up. Yeah, in next a future episode. Next week, for sure, we're, we're one of the first ones we're going to talk about early on in the week as well, because we've talked about a couple of hitting statistics. I want to get into FIP, Fielding Independent Pitching, and XFIP. These are numbers that are like ERA, but as, as folks who talk about numbers and, and, and metrics and things like that say, these are more reliable than ERA. And those, they're numbers that I love to use whenever I'm talking about pitchers. So that's going to be early on next week, and war is definitely going to be up there as well. It's something that I want to understand a little bit deeper because I have a high level understanding of war where it's just like, yes, you know, it's a cumulative stat. It's not something that, you know, if you have a really good month of April, but you have a really bad rest of the year that you're going to get a lot of war, that's not going to be the case. So you have to have sustained success with it over a long period of time. So that is why that is such a, a number that you will see other teams with, with high war players and the Reds just don't have it because we do talk about good months for certain players. And then the rest of the year, they're just, you know, whatever they're middling. They're, they're not, yeah, even. there's only, there's only one great war guy on the, on the Reds roster right now Yeah, and he's injured. Yeah. But that's, yeah, that's definitely gonna be something we talk about next week. Debbie Brown is here. Debbie always glad for Debbie to join us. She says, Jonathan India got married over the off season. Um, I think I heard that. Maybe I heard that, but it would make it would make sense. That Jonathan India has has come in to camp this year, uh, demonstrating a new kind of maturity, mm. and I could see that all of those pieces play together: the personal life, the professional life, uh, the baseball life, the all of all of the things kind of match up. So you know, you got a guy that's you know starting his family and has gotten mar- gotten married, is talking about being a leader of the team. Uh, you know, I like, I like, and I know you want to get into this Monday, so we're not going to steal all the thunder on that. So Debbie tune in on Monday because uh, Jeff has some things to say about the direction that Jonathan India is going. So fired up about that article from Charlie Goldsmith. And yeah, just a little bit of a taste, a little bit of a tease to our talk there. Like one of the things he talks about in this article, he talks about so many things, the mentality, what he's saying, how he's uh, presenting himself to the team. Jonathan India cut 10 pounds because he realized he bulked up too much last year and he just couldn't do the things that he wanted to do. So he cut 10 pounds this off season. Dude's ready to go. Uh, I'm, I'm stoked. BR seven says one thing that sticks out from when Tom Nichols was on this week is the bad strikeout rate for the young players. Will the reds new hitting coach, Joel McKeithen be able to help these guys. I'm going to go first on this one, Jeff. No. Uh, Joel is not going to be able to help these guys. Uh, first off, he's not going to really be working with these guys until they're already at the major league level. And I have, have long held the opinion that once at the major league level, there's not a whole lot that the, the hitting coach can do in season other than provide the guys with opportunities to fix things themselves, get them the film, get them the data, get them the analytics, help them, you know, point them in a direction, but ultimately the player has to do the work. The problem with all of these young players and their strikeout rates is many of them have a very similar body type. They have giant strike zones that they're having to learn to defend. Pitchers are throwing some of the ugliest, nastiest breaking stuff in the history of the game. And that stuff's just hard to hit. And then they're all trying to hit home runs. So what my hope is, is what really is going to fix those strikeout rates is the fact that we've taken away the shift that we're trying to put a bigger emphasis on getting people on base and having some excitement on the base pass and going back to the old way of hitting, take the dips out of the swing, drive the ball the other way, uh, have, have some action that way, have players learn to once again, defend the strike zone when there's two strikes, choke up a little bit on the bat, drive the ball the other way. Those are the things that have led to the increased strikeout rate. And not no one hitting coach is going to fix any of that. 
Let's talk about the sponsor of today's podcast. I want to talk to you about FanDuel because this podcast is brought to you by FanDuel. We are at the midway point of the NBA season, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel. It is America's number one sports book uh, because new, new customers at FanDuel are going to get a no sweat first bet. That's right. You uh, upload your money to your account. You place that very first bet. And if you don't hit, if you miss, it doesn't matter because FanDuel is going to reimburse you in bonus bets up to $1,000. That's $1,000 up to $1,000 in bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Uh, you can check out some baseball futures if you're not interested in things like the NBA right now. Uh, baseball fu futures are, are fun to mess around with. Uh, 11 to 1 odds for the Reds to win at least 80 games. Uh, Jeff has yet to confirm if he's in on this or not. He's telling us they're going to win 75 games. Uh, five games is not that much more, Jeffrey. I know math is hard. We talk about that all the time. But, you know, 11 to 1 odds. I bet it is uh, enticing you just I think I'm putting a little, a little bit. bit on it, yeah. That's what I thought. Uh, if you're that optimistic like Jeff, you can go place that bet over at FanDuel.com slash locked on because you don't want to miss your chance to get a no sweat first bet of up to $1,000 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. The best way to stay within your diet but also have a tasty snack is to grab a Built Bar. Built Bar's got those amazing flavors. I mean, you're talking about cookie dough chunk. It's fresh on my mind because I just had one the other day. I got back from the gym, and I'm like, okay, I was good. I was healthy. Let's eat something terrible for myself. And I'm like, no, let's eat a Built Bar. Because it's got the chocolate. The chocolate's going to make you think that you're eating something sweet and unhealthy, but the macros are fantastic. Built Bar has the best macros when you're talking about any kind of snack. They've got up to 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, and we're only talking about four grams of sugar here. You're not going to go crazy with the sugar if you eat a Built Bar, but it's going to taste phenomenal. Plus, we got the puffs. Literally, they took a marshmallow, they covered it in chocolate, and they somehow made it healthy. Like, I don't even know. I, I don't understand a lot of things. I don't understand how Joey Votto plays baseball and does it so well. I don't understand how Hunter Green throws over 100 miles an hour. And I don't understand how you can cover marshmallow with chocolate and make it healthy. But Built did it. And you can go to Built.com and get you something right now. But did you know you can also go down the road to Sam's or Walmart and get you a couple of boxes. You can go to Walmart in their pharmacy section. They got four bar boxes that have cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. Just saying those names. Does anybody think diet? No, but they will fit right in. Or if you go to Sam's Club, you can grab a 13 bar box with a uh, brownie batter or churro. And those are the puffs. So yeah, do it. Go to built.com, go to Sam's, go to Walmart, get you some built bar. You can thank me later. Yeah, there was something that whenever he was announced as the hitting coach, I believe it was in, I can't remember, C-Trend or if it was Bobby Nightingale that had this, but they were talking to him, and he mentioned, like, our organizational philosophy has kind of gotten a little bit out of whack over the last few years, and he said, we're going to go back to more of a focus of line drive hitting. We're not going to be worrying about trying launch angle and all that stuff. It's like, yeah, there's a little bit of launch angle involved when it comes to line drives, but he said, I want, you know, contact quality to be a thing and you know it's that time of year where i'm really itching to get out on the golf course and so i'm watching all these videos to try and fix my swing before i get out on the golf course and everyone's always talking about contact quality over you know your swing speed over how much you're putting into it over whatever you're doing with your arms or whatever like that if you make good contact you're going to hit the ball farther and that's the same with baseball if you hit that sweet spot things are going to happen and, and it's not about you know, can you dip that shoulder? Can you tap that toe? You know, it's just about making a good, solid contact. And that's kind of what they're going back to. Wait, you haven't been playing golf? All I've been playing golf. I went to the driving range. Oh, shit. I've been. <laughs> just got in the 60s for the first time this year on Wednesday. And I think we had 30 mile an hour wins. So, yeah, I went to the driving range where I'm not going to lose the or I'm not going to care about the ball. The ball that goes 
way uh, come come visit me jeff we'll go play <laughs> seth says that he attends a lot of dayton dragons games every tomorrow year. He's curious to see which prospects will start at dayton tomorrow seth so, we've got an extra episode we've uh, I, I was just gonna see if you were gonna tease to that yeah go ahead yep. with that got it got it posting tomorrow morning um so we had our great conversation with Tom Nichols kind of previewing the players that we can expect in camp, the players that we can expect to watch in spring training. But we did also talk about the guys who are expected to begin the year in Dayton. Spoiler alert is going to be a lot of fun yet again, probably not as much talent as last year, but still quite a bit. And there's going to be a top five prospect that shows up in Dayton on opening day. Caleb checks back in and says, how, uh, this is funny. How unlikable is Phil Castellini? <laughs> he made people applaud Rob Manfred this week. Uh, that is quite an achievement. Yeah, that's, that's a, that's a special skill set, folks. Uh, that, I'm trying to, to think Rob of like a, a level, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a very, it's very low right now. Jeff, we have a question for you. This comes from Chad, the quirky picker. He wants to know if you're going to be doing any radio work with the Reds radio network this year. Um, I believe I'm on the list as a backup to a backup's backup. So I should be <laughs> maybe once or twice. Um, every so often people are hitting me up. I got the chance. I was on ESPN 1530 this past week and I was also on with Dan Carroll. I think that was at 11 o'clock on wednesday night yeah i think it was wednesday night 11 o'clock on wednesday night so every so often they just kind of they pop up like that so um and definitely. you got to do you got to do the first turn but we're going to be semi-regular um yep. go ahead and go ahead and tease that one yeah so uh every week as well and i apologize because i did my best to look this up and see exactly when it airs but you can find the podcast form of the show it's through 97.1 the fan in Columbus, but it's the Ohio sports magazine show and Paul Keels, who some may know is the voice of uh, this football OH! team that's North of Cincinnati. OH! Um, but he, he talks with us about spring training. I was on this week. Steve will be on next week, but that's the Ohio sports magazine radio show. It's a long one. They really should have found a shorter name, but yeah, no, Paul's a lot of fun to talk to and, uh, we were talking about spring training storylines. Seth uh, was talking about Dave Pemberton's question uh, relating back to Bally Sports Ohio, and and Seth's asking, will the Reds' TV location all season will that be Bally Sports? I kind of think it will be. I can't imagine they're going to change gears mid-season. Now that being said, Rob Manfred did say that no matter what happens, people will be able to see the games. They said yes. that if. If for whatever reason, Bally Sports decides, you know, somewhere in June, we're done. Major League Baseball is prepared and ready to step in and do local broadcasts. They're, they're, they're ready to do it. So uh, I think that, you know, will it be Bally Sports? We can't answer that. Is there any danger of not being able to see the full red schedule this season? No. Major League Baseball has already said they're going to do whatever has to be done to ensure that through the 2023 baseball season, uh, we get to see the games and then whatever the new way of doing things is, whether that's MLB.tv streaming exclusively, whatever that looks like, uh, they'll roll that out in 2024. So uh, you don't have to worry about losing out on Reds games in 2023. Yeah, I think like, you know, it's whenever a football team sells the advertising naming rights to their field, but they keep the stadium the same name or something like that. Like I think it's going to be like Bally Sports brought to you by MLB.tv, something like that. At, at the at the worst elijah says the mls deal with apple plus is a good step in the right direction uh, a similar deal either on their own platform or some experience platform would be the best uh I, a suggestion uh, you know majorly if you don't have mlb.tv that is a really like one of the few things that major league baseball has gotten right that's really right. a really minus the blackouts it is a really good product uh, you can watch a game and and drop the radio broadcast over top of the video feed if that's what you want to do. You can listen to the opposing team some if you want to. Um, there's a lot of features built into that thing. Uh, if they just go with that, that's not the end of the world. They're just going to have to make a way for people that don't necessarily stream uh to make that product available locally on some kind of cable network as well. But I, I feel like that 
that product is kind of good to go already. So I, I major league baseball TV, I think is fantastic. They've got the platform. They just, they just need to get like the, the rights or whatever it is, the, the legality of it all in step so that they can get rid of the blackouts because literally everything is already there. Seth also says college baseball starts. Uh, that's right. If you're looking for uh, college baseball, is is a great watch. You know, I talk about Hawaii all the time. They have just such a fun baseball program. So it's all you know, baseball everywhere. Between college baseball and minor league baseball going to be available on the MLB app. Uh, I don't know how I'm going to squeeze in all this baseball, Jeff. Yeah, and you got college baseball on ESPN Plus as well. You can watch a lot of a lot of those games. Here we go. Oops, sorry. John Park says Stevenson needs to catch 120 games, but can't. Uh, we're looking at a log jam at first in DH. I don't know that I agree that there's a log jam at either of those positions. Um, what's the log jam at first base? Uh, Joy Votto who's injured uh, Will Myers, who's an outfielder mm -hmm. Tyler Stevenson, who's just stepping into that role and then the only, CES whenever he arrives. Yeah. I was going to say the only thing that I can think of is CES and people are considering him, but I don't necessarily know that the reds have committed to him not playing third base just yet. And I know that the reports of his defense are uninspiring, but they're also not like, bad like he's not going to come up and be edwin encarnacion at third base like he's going to he's going to be okay he just doesn't necessarily have the best arm so i do wonder if the reds try him out at third base work out his arm a little bit maybe try and see if they can improve that then he becomes their third baseman at least for the short term because until joey is no longer a red which i'm still holding that hope that we got one more year at least after this um but until he is no longer a red, Joey Votto is going to be the first baseman, and we're not going to push him off and force him to play DH, you know, um, full time or anything like that. But I, I think that's why the plan for Tyler Stevenson is forty percent catcher, forty percent DH, and then twenty percent first base because those are the days that Joey will be the DH, or he will just mm -hmm. have a straight off day. Joey's not playing one hundred sixty-two games this year. No. Let's circle back to Gimpleg. So I, I was having a hard time following what he was saying, but we'll, we'll go in, we'll go here now. Uh, he doesn't think that there is no turning back. He says he did not get into it with me yesterday. This is about Tyler Stevenson. Uh, but when, but that Tyler is definitely most valuable at the plate when he is behind the plate. Okay. I understand the point that Tyler Stevenson is one of the, better hitting catchers in the league he's he's you know top tier as far as that goes but the fact of the matter is you know he hasn't been able to remain healthy when he's back there and we're talking about a team that needs a maximum positional flexibility in a lot of areas and tyler stevenson being able to play first base and dh gives you that uh is he the most valuable to the reds as a catcher I don't know. Is he the most valuable as far as his ability to make money for himself as a catcher? Yeah. He's going to get paid more as a catcher than he would get paid as a DH or get paid as a first baseman. But, you know, I don't know that that prioritizes the team winning. Uh, you know, Tyler has said he's willing to do what's asked of him. And right now what's being asked of him is to play 40% of the time as a catcher and play the rest at first base and designated hitter. And, and he has openly said he's willing to do that. And I would have to say that he has expressed that same sentiment behind the scenes when none of us are listening. And if he hadn't, this wouldn't be happening. I don't think so. I think he's on board. I think we're making a bigger deal about the money and about his value and all of these things than, than the organization is making and that Tyler Stevenson is making. So, you know, I think the reds have come up with a solution where it's, you know, a great compromise where everybody gets a little bit of what they want. Tyler gets to catch, which is what he wants to do at least part of the time. The Reds get that bat in the lineup most of the time, and that helps everybody else around him have more success. 
It protects other hitters in the lineup. It allows the Reds to have their best lineup on the field for many more games than they would than if he was just exclusively a catcher. And I think, too, and we talked a lot about OPS Plus in today's episode. I'll throw this graph back up here for our YouTube crowd. But when it comes to this list, Brandon Drury led the team at 128. We've, we've said this. Tyler Stevenson did not have enough plate appearances or games played to qualify for this list. But his OPS Plus was 130. He would have been the top of this list. He is the team's best hitter. And if there is a situation where they can get him into the lineup with more certainty more times than if he were to have a fluke injury behind the plate, that's what I want to see. I don't, I don't want to see them forcing the issue, you know, putting a square peg into a round hole here of, well, he's, he's just not going to get hurt this year behind the plate. You know, let me say it was fluky betting on flukes to not happen is silly. So you need to have a plan. And when we talk about this team for the majority of our lifetimes, it seems like they haven't had a plan. Their plan has been hope. This is not hope. And this is beautiful. BR seven wants to talk pitching. Let's talk pitching for a minute, Jeff. Uh, he thinks Connor Overton is going to do good things this year. If he stays healthy, uh, where do you see Connor Overton fitting into this? You know, is he going to, is he going to fight for that fourth or fifth starter role? Uh, I, I kind of have him in my bullpen column. I, I think that's where he's going to at least start the year. I know we've talked about counter Overton as a bullpen type pitcher. It's interesting to me because if you were to ask me who was the better pitcher between Connor Overton and Luke Weaver, I think Connor Overton's the better pitcher. And if, and I've been the one that's saying, like, I think that, you know, Luke Weaver grabs a rotation spot. I could be very wrong on that. And it could be Connor Overton out of opening day. And again, the, these four and five spots, hopefully one, two, three stays the same. We, we have Green, Lodolo, Ashcraft. They're healthy. They're there all year long. Four and five, that's going to be, that's going to be a revolving door. That's going to be a saloon door in a cowboy movie because it's just going to keep changing. And, Unless someone really grabs a hold of it, which I don't have a strong feeling as to any one person just grabbing a hold of one of those rotation spots and not letting go, then I think we're going to see Connor Overton in this rotation at some point this season. I think we'll see Overton, we'll see Sessa, we'll see Weaver, we'll see Justin Dunn a little bit, uh, in which I know that we've said that he's the most valuable in the bullpen, but I think we see him in the rotation still some because they're still trying to figure some things out with him. And I mean, we, we see the rookies, Williamson Stout. We might see Abbott later on this season. Like, there's going to be so many different pitchers get a start for the Reds this year. And that's the way it should be because they've got to figure out who's going to fill out that rotation coming into next year or else they got to make moves. Cause that's something else we haven't talked about either. And that's, that's really the theme of an entire show. So I don't know that we can really go too deep on this at this moment, but. Next season, this year, we talked about, you know, the best offseason moves in an offseason where they didn't make too many moves were, you know, Stevenson and Moose. Next year cannot be a lean offseason. We're done with this whole thing of, yep, just keep, you know, hoping that prospects come up and make out the whole team. We got to have the core in place this year, and then next year we supplement because that's what the Rays do. That's what the Guardians do. That's what any small market team that has success does. They build the core and the majority of their team with prospects from within, and they supplement other positions with free agents and trades. And this offseason has to be busy in that regard. Hey, Jeff, check this out. Oh, we have a JoJo Jammer sighting. If you oh, don't follow what's JoJo up, Jammer on, on Twitter, JoJo Jammer has been around from like the early days of Jeff and I both doing Reds podcast. Like 3 a.m. there? It's, it must be. He's in the Philippines. Uh, he says uh, he's just saying hi and let us know he's still kicking. Uh, glad you checked in, JoJo. Uh, man, I was wondering about you. I uh, hope the Reds can keep us all interested throughout the year and that Phil Castellini can keep his mouth shut. From your lips to God's ears, Jojo. Glad to hear from you, man. Glad you're doing well. Hope the Philippines are nice right now. Appreciate you checking in with us. Still keeping his trap shut. I think the odds are pretty astronomical on that. 
<laughs> ye old white dude. Okay. <laughs> what would be realistically take to, to be for the Castellinis to be forced to sell a team? Listen, uh, something major and something bad. Uh, for context, Major League Baseball forced Marge Shot to sell the Reds, and you can Google what she said and what and she did. Nowhere near that. Yeah. And they're nowhere near that. So yeah. we're not close to that. But I also think, and, and the other thing, the other interesting part of this is, and, and not to be super morbid, but lo- looking into the future, whenever, you know, whenever Bob passes away, and this is Phil's show, because like it's Phil's show with, you know, Bob's, you know, permission right now. But whenever it is Phil's show, does he look at this and say, I can make, you know, a billion and a half on a sale and then reposition myself with some other business. That's a possibility because team values, even the reds, which, you know, we love to poo poo the idea of going to games and all this other stuff for different people. I mean, not us, we go to games, but there's so many people that love to say, let's stop watching them. And, and they won't get any money. The revenue for this team is insane. And the value of this team is insane. So there's a chance that that happens. I don't know what chance that is. Cause that's predicting the thoughts in the head of Phil Castellini, which we cannot do, but there is that chance in the future that he, he looks at this and he says, the money I can make on a sale can reposition us for something else. And then they sell it to whoever. Here's another one for you. I think, uh, Danny says, given all the things that went bad last year, is it really a stretch to think that maybe 50% of the expectations and some good health could happen and translate into 20 more wins? So that would put them at 82, 82. wins. So One they'd be a five game above 500 yeah. and yeah. in contention for the final wild card spot, which, you know, I know all you guys that are still here and, and, and participating in this Aloha live Friday edition of the show, you guys listen, you guys listen every day. You know that I have said all along that I felt like this team had just enough talent that if the ball bounces their way, they could stumble into contention for that. Final sneak on in. It's <laughs> exactly. I mean, we would go right back to that thing. So 20 more wins puts them at 82. Yeah. There's an outside minuscule, chance that that could happen uh i think 67 to 70 wins is more likely jeff has gone on record saying 75 is his number and you know if you want to go seven more wins above that a lot of things have to go the reds way it could happen but a lot of things have to really just kind of work out what was the was it was it yogi bear that had the quote what was the who said the quote of you win 50 and you lose 50 and what you do with the other 60. We do this every time. I can never remember who said it, but yeah, I always forget this. I was talking about this with somebody the other day, but yeah, everybody wins 50 and everybody loses 50. It's what you do with the rest. That's kind of up to you. And so to say that the reds could go 31 and 31 in those 62 games, that's kind of interesting to think because you know, like we said, a lot has to go right. The 99 percentile for this team has to hit and the 99 percentile just i mean it only happens one percent of the time that's why they call it the 99 percentile so with that being said i think last year especially when you're talking about the three and 22 start is it safe to say that the the one percentile or the two percentile hit whenever they did that bad during the start of the year it's probably safe to say mm-hmm. who knows maybe maybe we're due Maybe you were too. Greg Hughes says 70 to 75 wins if everything goes right. Is, I, I yeah. still say, I mean, if everything goes right, I still think they, they can flirt with 500. You know, we haven't done a good job of talking about this next guy. And uh, remind me, Jeff, we need to, we need to work this into a, a regular episode coming up. But uh, mm. you old white dude wants to know about Vladimir Gutierrez and where does he fall into the rotation bullpen when he's healthy? I mean, first of all, I'm not sure when we're going to see him. I think best case scenario, we're talking like the third week of August, maybe the fourth week of August, like coming back from Tommy John, the fact that he had Tommy John in the middle of last year, not at the early part, but in the middle, like, that would be the best case scenario. More likely, we're talking about a September return. 
And that is when the Reds really have to make a decision. Do we ramp him up to be a starter and get four starts out of him? Or do we bring him back in the bullpen and maybe get, you know, 10, 11 appearances out of him? And then we can ramp him up in the offseason to be a starting pitcher or make a decision from there. I think if we see him at all this year, it's going to be out of the bullpen. Yeah, I totally agree. I can't imagine a scenario where a guy coming off of injury like that and, you know, let's say your timeline is is spot on. Let's say it's September. You don't waste that time trying to stretch him out. You you put him in very controlled, very definable situations. You know, Vlad, you're going to go pitch an inning and then you're not going to pitch again for three days. You know, they, they can do those kind of things if he's pitching out of the bullpen. So for me, I, I, I would I would listen. I feel like they got it wrong when they brought Graham Ashcraft up at the end of last season, I feel like they got it wrong when they brought Connor Overton back at the end of last season. Uh, and that same ready. logic were holds true. Yes, they were ready for the off season. And if, if you've got a pitcher that coming off of that kind of injury and now we're in September and you want him to ramp it up for the major league level, I don't know at that point that I even fire him up. I tell him we will see you in good year in 2024. And, and make sure that you are 100%. So let's take that a step further. We can tell, because we, we, can, we can speculate and we can talk about his profile, and that's probably what we're going to do on an episode next week at some point, but we can speculate what his future looks like. The Reds will tell us what they think his future looks like if they bring him back for September and pitch him out of the bullpen. Because if they do that, that's probably what his future is moving forward. Because you're right, I can't see them bringing him back for 10 or 11 appearances out of the bullpen just to have him go back to try and starting pitching next year. Let's take one more, Jeff, and then probably put a pin in this. We've been a great show. You guys have been great. Thank you so much for your comments. 25 minute mark. I, I I love that you all are sticking around. You guys, I, I, I know I say it every week. This is my favorite thing to do with the Locked on Red show is these live shows with, with you guys asking questions and participating. I love it so much. I'm trying to find us a good one to kind of wrap up on. And I saw a good Jonathan India question, and I can't find it. And this um, too, while you're looking for it, this too is going to evolve a little bit once the season begins because we won't necessarily have an Aloha Friday every Friday. We're going to kind of pick a game of the week and then do a live pregame show. So before the sh- before the game gets going on, we'll have a live pregame show on the YouTube channel right here. Aloha Friday will evolve into the Aloha pregame show, but um, you know, as the, you know, once the offseason returns later on next year, um, which hopefully that's a long way away because I can't wait for baseball. But then Aloha Friday will return. This is something we will do through spring training. Then once the regular season starts, it'll be t- become the Aloha pregame show, which Steve and I really haven't conferred on that, but I think that that's a good name. Works for me. Uh, <laughs> let's do a comment and a question. John Park with a comment says he appreciates us doing the show, says we do a great job. It allows everyone a means to bounce ideas, uh, even though some of us live in Hawaii. <laughs> You guys come visit me. Listen, if y'all are ever in Hawaii, hit me up on Twitter. If you're on the big Island, uh, I'll take you on a little tour. We'll go grab, we'll go grab a Kona brew. We'll do something. I am always out and about and I, I love doing stuff like that. So if you're ever here, let me know. And then and if you're I'm ever in Hawaii, to, don't tell me cause I'll be super jealous. Well, you are supposed to come and visit. You know what? I'm going to just stop trying to ask you. I'm calling Hanakar. That's what I'm going to do. I think I want to finish giving Jeff an opportunity to do a little tease and I'm trying to scroll back to it and I can't find it, but basically we'll just do like this. I won't put it up on the screen, Jeff, but I, I read it and we'll just go with it. Uh, The question is this, does Jonathan India uh, being thrust into a leadership role, help him or hurt him? Uh, heading into the rest of his career. And I know that uh, our Monday episode is going to focus a lot on Jonathan India. So if you want to tease a little bit about what you're thinking, and then we can just kind of wrap up from there. There's two things I'm thinking here, because the first thing that I think about this is I think it helps him. I think it helps Jonathan India's career immensely. Yes, he's a third year player, but he has the right mentality for this. He has the right makeup for this. Number two 
I don't think he was thrust into it. I think he showed up and he says, I'm the guy. And that is what has me so fired up for it because there are so many things that he said in this article with Charlie Goldsmith. And if you, ha- if you have an uh, inquire subscription, I encourage you to go read it, but we are definitely going to dive into it on Monday because the things that he said are things that are making me want to take that 80 plus wins over on FanDuel because th- they're just, they're absolutely beautiful and it's going to be a fun episode breaking down the excitement that Jonathan India is talking about here in spring training. Tune in Monday. Jeff has a lot more to say. I've seen a little bit of the preview of that and it's going to be a fun show. And I think that at the hour and a half mark is where we are going to wrap up this live Aloha Friday edition of Locked on Reds. We're going to wrap it up right there. Don't forget, coming up Monday, we're talking Jonathan India. So if you haven't clicked subscribe yet, do it right now before you log off. Now that you have made Locked on Reds your first listen, go make your second listen, the Locked on MLB Prospects podcast with Lindsey Crosby. Uh, Lindsey does a great job. He is a prospect encyclopedia, and he will tell you all about Major League Baseball's stars of tomorrow today. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast, just like Locked on Reds. All right, Jeff, uh, another week in the books. Spring training on Monday is fully underway. Position players are there. The pitchers are there. Games are coming by the end of February. What can everybody expect from me and you the rest of the way? They can expect us to be locked in on all of the position battles, locked in on all of the guys in the best shape of their lives. And they can expect us to be locked on Reds every single day. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.